morning, I'd like to talk about a subject that's uh, something that uh, each of us could fall into a trap of. Um, you know, one thing that God has blessed us with, he's blessed us, each of us, with a wonderful mind. It's one of the many blessings that separate us from all the other creations that God has, has created. We're able to think, we're able to reason, we're able to learn, we're able to remember. You know, it's so wonderful to be able to remember. But as we grow older, physically, uh, that memory sometimes tends to slip away from us. I know even now, at my age, being in the early 60s, I can't remember quite as well as I could 20 years ago. You know, uh, our memories make us unique. We can look back, recall favorite activities and experiences of our past. Ball games we may have been involved in, fishing trips, vacations just like many went this past week, family dinners, holidays. We look back and we remember special moments in our life, the birth of a, of a child or a grandchild, baptisms, graduations, weddings. We look back and we remember the people who had a great impact upon us, the people who made us what we are today. Our family, mom and dad, grandmas and grandpas, our teachers that we had in school, coaches, church family, those who we looked up to as we were growing up, as we were youngsters, and we, we looked up to them, older brothers and sisters in the, in the Lord who had a great impact upon us. These people shaped us what we are today. You know, a lot of our culture today deals with the idea of remembering or forgetting from songs we sing in worship and we're going to sing a couple of songs uh, later today that deal with the idea of remembering or forgetting uh, but also songs such as precious memories popular songs like I keep forgetting one from a movie in the 80s don't you forget about me here's one for Spencer Remember Me by Willie Nelson. Um, movies, Remember the Titans. But just as we remember, we're also subject to forget. What if it all went away? What if we completely lost our memory and we couldn't recall these precious moments? You know, one of the harshest and most bitter medical conditions we have today is Alzheimer's disease. Alzheimer's is a thief. It robs people of their memories. They can't remember things that they've done in the past. Sometimes they can't remember even things they've done that, that, that even that same day. They can't remember their family, their close friends. It's like their mind has become an etch-a-sketch. It's been shaken up and there's nothing left behind. It's just a blank screen. And as bad as that is, and this is tr as truly a horrible disease, there's something that's even worse. Any one of us could be affected by something known as spiritual Alzheimer's. Our remembrance of God's will and his blessings for, for us could fall from our minds. Unlike physical Alzheimer's, right now we don't know all about that and know how to control it or even how to uh, treat it sometimes. This spiritual Alzheimer's is a condition we can have some control over, even though we may all suffer short bouts of it from time to time. 
you know, there are consequences to forgetting. In the physical world today, you know, if we don't pay a bill on time, we're subject to pay a late fee. If we don't take our medicine on time or as scheduled, it can cause us to have some severe health problems. We look in the Bible and we can see many examples of individuals in the scripture who were followers of God. And then for a variety of reasons, whether it was temptation, whether it was lust, whether it was pride, whether it was unrighteous influences, they forgot God for a moment and fell into sin and suffered a variety of consequences. I want us today to look at some of these examples of these individuals. First thing we're gonna do is we're gonna go back in time, all the way back to the beginning, the Garden of Eden. You know, how beautiful the Garden of Eden must have been. God had made everything perfect for man. All of man's needs were fulfilled. Man is in a perfect relationship with God, and then sin enters the garden. The serpent beguiles Eve, shows her the fruit of the forbidden tree. See how beautiful it is. I bet it tastes great. It's going to make you as smart as God. She is beguiled, and she, she took of it. She ate of it. She took it to Adam. He took it also, and he ate of it. Forgetting the instructions he'd been given there in Genesis 2, 16 and 17, where he'd been told he could eat of any fruit of any tree in that garden except of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of that tree. He forgot that word of God. He forgot the commands. Sin entered the world, and man's relationship was broken with God at that time. We go several hundred years into the future, and our next example occurs. The children of God had been in Egyptian bondage for about 400 years. Years and years before, God had told Abraham, your seed will be in bondage for 400 years. God had been listening. He had been watching. And when the time was right and the deliverer was right, it was now time to deliver those children from the land of Egypt. God comes to Moses and tells him, hey, you're the man. You're the one I'm going to send down to deliver my children. I have seen the afflictions that their taskmasters have put upon them. I've heard the cries. And so Moses goes down. He peers before Pharaoh. He warns Pharaoh to let the people go, but Pharaoh won't do it. God then sends 10 disastrous plagues upon the, upon the, upon the Egyptians. They see, the children of Israel see the almighty God's destruction that he has heaped upon the land of Egypt. They see this. They experience, even after experiencing the miracle of the parting of the Red Sea, they see all of these blessings, these things that God has done for them, but all of a sudden then they forget God. It doesn't take them very long. All through their trip in the wilderness, they complain to Moses. We don't have any water to drink. We don't have any food to eat. You just brought us out here to die in the wilderness. It'd be, we'd been better off if we'd been left back in Egypt. There in, verse, in Exodus 16 and 17, we see these examples. 
Moses goes up on Mount Sinai to receive the word from the Lord. And they, he doesn't come back down at the time when they think he should be back down. And we see there in Exodus 32, 1, it tell, talks about that they, they rise up and they, they have Aaron make them a golden calf. Let us make a golden calf to worship. This is our God that brought us out of Egypt. Even Aaron, Moses' own brother, gets caught up in this moment of forgetfulness and sins. Tells us there in verse, 30, in, in verse 8 of chapter 32 that they turned aside quickly out of the way God commanded them. They forgot God. As a result, as a consequence, they were forced to wander for 40 years throughout the wilderness on a trip that would have just taken them just a few months. We see that even the greatest is subject to the idea of forgetfulness. David, a man who was beloved of God, a man who was described as who was after a man after God's own heart forgot his Lord. Think of all the blessings that David received. When Nathan comes to confront David about his sin with Bathsheba, he tells him that the Lord has said, I gave you the master's house, I gave you the master's wives, I gave you Judah, I gave you Israel, I gave you everything. I would have given you even more if you only had to ask. David was extremely blessed. But in a moment of temptation, he turned his back on the Lord. You know, God saw the goodness in David when David was a young man. And had him, and he was anointed as the next king of Israel to follow King Saul. God protects David for several years as Saul plots to destroy him. Finally, David becomes king and he's endlessly blessed. But in a moment of weakness, in a moment of temptation, he forgets God's love. He forgets God's commands. He forgets God's blessings. He looks upon Bathsheba. He lusts after her. He takes her in as his own. She conceives a child. What is David to do? David, we know the story. David then plots, well, I'll have Uriah come home under the pretense of giving me a battle report. And he asks Uriah, how's the battle going? And Uriah reports you know, how the battle is going and such. He tells Uriah, go and spend the night with Bathsheba. Uriah is such an honorable man, he can't go and spend the night in his house with his wife because his fellow comrades are still underneath the tents and they're out on the battlefield. So he sleeps at David's doorstep. David then improvises a plan to have Uriah killed. David then will take the mourning widow into his, into his house. She'll become his wife and his sin will be covered. But there are consequences to that. First, 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 27 tells us, But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. You know, there are things we have to realize that when we do things, there are some things we might do that displease the Lord. When we sin, it displeases the Lord. He's disappointed in us. Only after being confronted by Nathan did David acknowledge his sin. We see what trouble we get into when we forget and we know the consequence of that sin is that the child, the child died because of David's sin. It continued on in David's family. His son, King Solomon. King Solomon, David's own son, wasn't immune to this either. Solomon was offered everything by God. In 1 Kings 3, it tells us that God asked him, What will you have? 
He could have asked for anything. He could have asked for all the riches of the world. He could have asked for all the power of the world. He asked for wisdom. God grants him this wisdom. But his failure to use that wisdom leads to his downfall. God had previously told the people of, of Israel, do not intermarry with the nations around you. Don't marry into their families. But because of Solomon's lust or his pride or he, his position as king, he thought, well, that just does, 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 doesn't apply to me. He chose to ignore God's commands. He took unto himself 700 wives and 300 concubines. 1 Kings 11, 4 through 6 says, For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not truly follow the Lord as did his father David. Solomon let these women pull him away from the Lord. Tells us that he built altars to their gods and the Lord became angry with him. God had appeared to him twice already to talk to him about this situation to tell him, do not marry these women, but Solomon forgot. 1 Kings 11, 11 says, Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, Because you have done this and have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. And we know then that the kingdom was after Solomon. The kingdom was torn into two of Judah and Israel. Consequences for forgetting the commandments of God. You know, the uh, children of Israel's forget forgetfulness didn't just conclude in the desert. It continued on even when they were a nation themselves. Even after they'd made it to the promised land. We read in 2 Kings 17, it, it, they're told to turn from their evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes. But it says they rejected his statues and his covenant that he had made with their fathers. They followed idols, became idolaters, and went after the nations who were all around them. So they left all the commandments of the Lord their God and made for themselves a molded image and two calves, made a, gold, made a wooden image and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served Baal. And they caused their sons and daughters to pass through the fire, practiced witchcraft and soothsaying, and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them from his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah alone. They failed God. They forgot the commandments he had given unto them. Be a separate people. Don't intermarry with these people. Don't partake in their, in their ways and their customs and their gods. And they followed, their, they were stiff-necked just as their fathers had been before them and back in the, in the wilderness. And they made golden idols and they made wooden images and they practiced all kinds of witchcraft and idolatry. And it says they sold themselves to do evil. Because of their failure to remember God's commandments, the 10 tribes of Israel were carried away into Assyrian captivity for 200 years. For 200 years, they suffered captivity because of their weaknesses, because of their sins, because of their forgetfulness. Finally, they remembered God, 
They pleaded with him. They asked for forgiveness. God granted that and allowed them to come back. It allowed them to be taken out of captivity. But their remembrance didn't last long. They fell back into their old ways and their old habits once more. They forgot the will of the Lord. They were carried away into captivity by the Babylonians then for 70 years. It was during this time of Babylonian captivity that we read of the, of the great stories of Daniel and of Shadrach and of Meshach and Abednego during this time of captivity in, under the Babylonian Empire. We see that spiritual Alzheimer's affects not only people of God, but also sometimes people who are not part of his nation but become, become a believer or at least profess to become a believer. Nebuchadnezzar, he was the Babylonian king at this time. And after he saw the miracle of the fiery furnace, he professed a belief in the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember the story. You remember the, from vacation Bible school last summer. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow down and worship the golden idol, the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had made. They were cast into the fire. The fire was seven times hotter than normal. It even burned up the men who threw them into the, into the fire. But as Nebuchadnezzar looked in, all of a sudden now there were four men in there instead of three. One who appeared to be as the son of God. And so when they came out and there was no smell of fire on them, they weren't burned, they weren't singed, there was no harm to them at all. Nebuchadnezzar professes a belief. He says, there is no other God who can deliver like this. Very shortly thereafter, Nebuchadnezzar issues a proclamation to the entire land of the Babylonians. He says, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. How great are his signs, how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. It seems that Nebuchadnezzar had become somewhat of a believer in God. He thought this was the God of, of all gods. This was the God who was the most powerful. But some forces within his empire, mainly his advisors, worked against him. They kept feeding him false lies and false information. He has a dream. Daniel interprets that dream and tells him that if he doesn't change his ways, he had been abusing the people and mistreating the people. And Daniel tells him, unless you, unless you do this, unless you change your ways, there's going, to be some, there's going to be some dire consequences that you're going to suffer. Later in, the, in, in Daniel 4, verses 29 and 30, at the end of 12 months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon, talking about this, talking about Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, he is so full of himself. He is so proud. Look what I have done. Do we sometimes feel guilty to fall under this trap as well? Look what I have done. I think maybe most of us at some time in our life have fallen to that point and we think about, oh, look what I have done. 
Nebuchadnezzar thought, hey, I've, I've, got, it, I've got it made. I'm the, I'm the best. Look what I've built. Look to the empire I've got. Look how great I am. And it says, while the word was still in his mouth, a voice from heaven rained down on him, cursing him to eat grass like an oxen and roam the fields. And so for an extended period of time, Nebuchadnezzar is like a beast in the field. He's eating grass. He's roaming around. It says there that you know, his hair's grown out on him. He's, just, he's become just nasty and filthy and such. Finally, after a time, Nebuchadnezzar is restored to his throne after he came to his senses. And he does come to his senses because we read in, later in that same chapter, Nebuchadnezzar says, and at the end of time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? It's a little bit different of a Nebuchadnezzar now. After he's experienced the lows of, of being out grazing as a beast, he realizes, I am, not, I am not the greatest. There's one on high that's much greater than me. He says, at the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me, and I was restored to my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways justice, and those who walk in pride he is able to put down. You talk about a man having a, a, a moment. This is Nebuchadnezzar. He says, God is going to put down those who have pride. He's speaking from firsthand experience. Nebuchadnezzar says, I was that man. I was full of pride. I thought I was the greatest thing in the world, but God humbled me. He put me in a position that unlike any other man had ever been seen or heard of before. So in conclusion, unlike physical Alzheimer's, which at this time seems to be something we have little control over, we have a great deal of control over our spiritual Alzheimer's. Each of us from time to time may slip up. And we may let God, God's command slip from our minds. We need to be reminded of God's commands. We, may, need, we need to be reminded of God's blessings, of his love. In Galatians, Paul preaches to them in his letter and he, tells, he reminds the Galatians, look what God has done for you. Reminding them because some of them some of them had forgotten God and slipped and went back into their former ways of life However, it's our adherence to his will That compels us to make these moments as short as possible and to make them as infrequent as possible We have to remember the blessings that he has showered us with We have to remember the words of Jesus If you love me keep my commandments If you love me Keep my commandments. Don't forget about Jesus. Don't forget about God's love. Don't forget about God's blessings to us. He, he showers on us each and every day.
if you're ready and willing to make Jesus your Lord through baptism, or if you just need the prayers of the congregation, we encourage you to come forward as we stand and sing.